I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to one episode 189 in which it's good to be back in a routine and I'm recording this on Sunday. I think it's November 15th if I'm not mistaken and I have no idea what time it is. I think it's somewhere around 3 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, just in case those things are important to you to provide your setting while you're listening. I want to say uh, welcome to anybody who's a new listener. I've heard from a couple of you, so welcome aboard. I always enjoy new people coming in and being part of the conversation. And thank you very much for listening. And as a special gift and a special offer for new listeners, I'm recording less often <laughs> at the moment. So you've got a little more space and time to catch up on old episodes for those of you who, like me, are a little bit compulsive and need to start from episode one. Whenever you start a new podcast, I have the same issue. So anyway, uh, thank you to anybody who has been in touch with me to let me know you're a new listener. It's great to have you aboard. Thank you also, of course, to my oldies but goodies, all the listeners who've been around for a while. Uh, thank you for sticking with me. I did actually have an episode recorded last weekend, but I really can almost never bring myself to post an episode without listening to it before it gets posted. And so while I had the time to record an episode on Friday afternoon last week after work, I didn't have time to listen to it and do any editing, and thus it just got lost in the shuffle because the weekend was pretty busy. Um, although I am indeed back in a routine, it's my new normal routine, and I have difficulty finding time in that new normal to... Um, really do anything fun. <laughs> I take that back. I've actually been putting a priority on trying to get together with friends, having a social life again, because for uh, several months running, I was really head down, nose to the grindstone. So things have uh, normalized a little bit in my life right now. So I have met up with friends a couple of times. I have actually been doing some creative things with thread. Mostly I've been mostly doing embroidery. Uh, but I've been prepping myself for a couple of upcoming projects, so I have been able to get a little bit of my quilty on here and there. Um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. For, uh, in terms of school, I am done now with my fall class in terms of the weekly class sessions and weekly reading assignments and the weekly papers and everything that were, um, that came with that whole class. Now we're just working on the final paper, which is due in a few weeks, which to a degree almost makes me feel like I'm on vacation now because I'm not trying to keep up with weekly assignments. I'm able to just focus on the paper. I still have a lot to do on that paper, but it definitely feels more manageable now that that's the only thing I need to actually focus on. Um, I spent all day today, actually several hours, uh, just trying to organize my thoughts and working on an outline. I've been doing a lot of research, but I realized I needed to do the outline so I knew I was researching the right areas, you know, so I wouldn't end up with a whole lot of stuff for a relatively small part of the paper and almost nothing for something else that needed more work. So um, I think I've got a, I think I've got a good outline uh, settled in today and um, had fun using my software that I use to do that. I've got two programs that intersect with each other. One is Scapple, uh, 
which sounds an awful lot like that horrible breakfast meat that my father used to eat, Scrapple, uh, but it's without the R. But Scapple is a mind mapping software. It's a very light mind mapping. It's really not fancy. It's not pretty. You can't attach files or anything. You're just organizing your thoughts. But the good thing about it is it then um, you can import it into Scrivener, which is currently the the program I'm using for my daemon classwork because it's got it's well I don't want to go a lot of detail into software if any of you are interested and would like me to um, give you more information I'd be happy to in a nutshell Scrivener's Scrivener is a uh, software that was developed initially for screenwriting for fiction writing but it's really good for um, academic work as well because you can keep your notes and everything um, all in one place and then transfer them quite easily into your final paper and the thing I like about it is it has the ability you can put all your different notes and all your different sections into different uh, pieces and then you can transfer it into change your view into a corkboard and everything shows up as index cards and you can just move stuff around and it moves it around in your outline. And so if you're actually actively writing in sections, you can shuffle everything around really, really easily. Um, I used it for my summer class for the first time and it worked really well for me. Plus you can set up uh, word counts and everything for each individual section. Uh, and I said I wasn't gonna talk about the software, so <laughs> I'll stop talking about it. Again, if you're interested, let me know. Um, so that's school. In terms of uh, the other significant event in our life in these last few weeks is my daughter has now officially moved out of the house. She has a small, cute, adorable little studio apartment, but little being the active term, um, right downtown. So she only lives about 15 minutes away, but she, for herself, lives within a very easy walking distance of everything in our main cultural district here in the city. So she lives maybe a five minute walk away from an art gallery, maybe a 10 minute walk away from um, a museum and a planetarium and uh, several other things right downtown, plus a ton of restaurants and pubs and such. Uh, so it's a great location for her. Um, she's having to adjust a little bit to listening to the, the street noise because it is a fairly busy area. But, uh, you know, she just came off a college campus as she reminded me, so she's doing okay with that. Um, she didn't have a whole lot of furniture to move, plus she kind of wanted to live in the studio for a few weeks before she started loading it up with stuff. So she's been kind of doing it a little bit at a time. The first week that she moved out, officially November 1st was the first day we could move her into her apartment, which was a Sunday. But her electricity wasn't actually going to get turned on until the next day. So she's, we moved her stuff in and then she came back home and spent the night that night. Although she was game. She was ready to camp out in her new apartment with a flashlight. I was the one that said, no freaking way are you staying your first night in a strange place with no electricity. I, as a mother, am not comfortable with that. As I told her, you're 22, I can't tell you what to do, but you're coming home. <laughs> Fortunately, she didn't argue. Um, but in any case, you know, so we moved her in that day and did as much as we could while we still had daylight, which at this time of year is much earlier in the evening than it used to be. Um, we're starting, now that we've changed to daylight savings times, we get dark around five o'clock here. So um, we moved a lot of her stuff in that day, but the first week she was back and forth quite a bit. You know, she'd come home, grab a pile of stuff, move it in, find a place for it, and then come home and get the next pile of stuff. I have not actually seen her apartment since the day we moved her in. Um, 
I've been kind of waiting until she lets me know, yeah, you know, stuff is pretty well set up. She's had several cousins over, <laughs> several of her cousins, but you know, I think they're more comfortable with people, their peers seeing themselves at kind of sixes and sevens, because I think she knows that if I came in, I would try to organize her, which um, she's happy to do. We've we've talked about that. I have um, bought her some organizational stuff. She frequently calls and asks my opinion, uh, but at some point in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to want to go back over and visit and see how things are going. But that's been um, an interesting adjustment for her. She has posted a couple times on Facebook about running errands and cleaning bathrooms and, and all of these things. And the other day she said something about, do I get my adulting merit badge yet? <laughs> so she's really loving being on her own, um, but it is definitely adjustment. It's not so much of an adjustment for us because, you know, we've already done the empty nest emotional detachment thing when they when both kids went away to college. So emotionally, I've already taken that step and have made that break. It does help that she's only 15 minutes away. It's a lot harder with my son who lives an hour and a half away. Um, we have to really make an effort to make sure we're seeing him. Uh, that was the other thing that happened last weekend I, when I did record the episode but never got it posted is I did actually go up to see him on Saturday and that took most of the day. So, um, you know, that it's it's not been that I didn't get my episode recorded because I was nose to the grindstone and doing work, although that was all the days after that, but it is also because of family stuff and friend stuff, etc. Um, we had to laugh. I, I was on Twitter. Uh, this was, you know, now a couple of weeks ago. The minute my daughter moved out, I cleaned the pantry. <laughs> now, part of that was because a lot of the chaos in my pantry had come about because of my daughter moving back home and all of her food. She's a vegetarian and she does a lot of her own cooking. Uh, so she had a ton of stuff in the pantry and she had stuff in the refrigerator and in the freezer and all sorts of extra. We're all big tea drinkers in our family. And so we have a variety of teas. And so we also had all of her boxes of tea on top of my husband and my boxes of tea up in the tea cupboard. So it was just, um, it was a little frustrating over the summer when I would go to, when I did actually have time to cook, which didn't happen all that often. But when I did, I would go to the pantry and I couldn't find stuff and I was digging through and we'd end up buying duplicates because we didn't couldn't find what was in there. So <laughs> the, the pantry in particular had been bugging me for a long time. And so really this almost, well, actually while she was in the process of moving out, I think I did most of the cleaning and reorganizing the Saturday before we moved her out on Sunday. As she was packing, I was... <laughs> cleaning her stuff, the non-perishables out of the pantry. Okay, you need to pack this too, take this too. And I was like creating grocery bags of food for her to take. And at one point she was like, boy, mom, you gonna miss me much? And I'm like, I will miss you terribly. I won't miss all your crud in the pantry. Um, and, you know, I told her it was in in the name of trying to save her money during her first grocery shopping trip as I was sending all this food with her. Uh, but in any case, we got talking on Twitter uh, because Katie at Quilted Magnolia was packing her house at the same time as if you follow her, she's um, moved into a new home and recently had a garage sale and everything. And so we got talking about how uh, cleaning can often be sort of almost an emotional thing as much as a necessity thing, that it's sort of cleaning as a fresh start or you tend to clean in a change of life or change of seasons or whatever. And there were several of us that ended up involved in that conversation. 
um, that cleaning and sorting and organizing can often be our way of sort of putting one thing behind us and getting ready to move to the next thing. Uh, so anyway, all I can say is I just love my pantry now. I love, <laughs> I love being able to see what's in it, easily grab stuff out of it. It's, that's been a very good thing in my life. All right, so let's talk about, um, you know, generally more interesting things. <laughs> um, I cannot scroll my page here. Here we go. I have been um, availing myself of the wonder that is mass drop this fall. I've gotten a couple of different mass drop orders. If you're not familiar with mass drop, um, M-A-S-S-D-R-O-P, all one word, dot com. And it's essentially a group purchasing site. So they will put certain things up for sale. And the more people who say, yes, I will buy this thing during a certain time period, the price comes down you know, to a certain amount. They have their starting price and then they have, here's the lowest it will go if we have this many people who will buy this product. And so everybody joins in. Actually, speaking of Katie of Quilted Magnolia, I think she's the one, um, I'm sorry, at Quilted Magnolia is her Twitter name. And that's really the way I think of everybody is I see their Twitter name. Um, she was the one I think that when she was talking about Mass Drop was the first I learned of it, which was several months ago now. And they do have a fair number of quilting and embroidery kinds of things that come up for sale. They frequently have fat quarter collections, um, notions of various types, rulers, especially rulers, threads, uh, etc. The couple things I ended up purchasing and joining in were all embroidery floss collections. The first one I did was Aura Floss, which is Aurafil's embroidery floss, and I got the inked collection by Lynn Krasik, I think is maybe how, how you pronounce her name, K-R-A-W-C-Z-Y-K. It goes with, she has a fabric line of that name, inked, and this embroidery floss is the same color scheme. Um, I didn't buy the fabric. That might have been available at the same time, I don't remember. Uh, but I did like the colors on the embroidery floss, and I thought it would be a, a fun way for me to try some Aurifil embroidery floss. I'd never used it before. And I got a really good price for it. I got, um, the collection had 10 spools of 18 yards each, and each, those are six stranded, so you can, you actually get six, essentially, if you use one strand of that embroidery floss, you get six times the amount of length. Now, I don't usually, it's been rare for me to separate strands. For the kind of embroidery I've been doing, I tend to use it full strength, <laughs> as it were, all strands together. Um, but it is nice knowing that you're getting six times the length if you want to divide it that way. In any case, this collection normally sold for $46, and I got it for $31 uh, with free shipping. So it, that was a really, really good deal. I haven't used the floss much yet. I used it uh, for one thing on my Sue Spargo project for one little part of the embroidery, and I liked it pretty well, but that was with felted wool and most threads work really well because felted wool is kind of like butter coming through it. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to really test it out too much. Um, the projects I've got going on now, I have a much better chance of using it up. But so far, you know, I, I like it. I don't know that I would say, I don't think I will be quite as much an Aurifil girl with embroidery floss as I am with sewing thread. I am very specifically an Aurifil girl when it comes to piecing thread and anything I'd put in my sewing machine. I'm strong preference for Aurifil. Uh, but for the embroidery floss, there's too many nice ones out there. Uh, you know, it would be hard for me to choose just one because you, you 
you have so many different applications and types looks that you're going for and everything you can't I well I know there's people that have only ever used DMC I've recently met one and I'm working on changing her airing ways I have nothing wrong with DMC embroidery floss but there's so much other wonderful tasty delicious embroidery floss out there in any case uh, speaking of embroidery thread the other mass drop collection that I did purchase was another type of embroidery thread this one is Nishikito, N-I-S-H-I-K-I-I-T-O, uh, and it's from Japan. It's a, uh, it's a metallic embroidery thread by Cosmo, and it's a thread with metallic highlights. It's not specifically a metal-based thread. It's got it kind of twisted through the thread. And again, it's a collection of 10 spools. Um, I had to look this up on the website because I couldn't find what its normal price would be. Uh, I did find some individual spools sold on websites, not the collection. And going by the individual spool price, I'm thinking 10 spools would have cost me around $35 total. And in the mass drop, I paid 28. So it wasn't quite as big a saving as the Orofil, but it was still a saving and I got the free shipping again. Um, I haven't had a chance to use that yet. And in fact, I was showing it to some friends recently and I couldn't even figure out how to start. <laughs> where the end of the thread was to get it off the spool. Uh, so that's going to be, that'll be probably my biggest challenge. Once I figure out how to get it off the spool, <laughs> I'm not actually all that worried about using it. I have used metallic threads before. Uh, they can be a little bit tricky, but it's just a matter of, you know, being patient. It's just like using metallics in your sewing machine. Um, although in a sewing machine, I have heard rumor there are some sewing machines that just don't like metallic threads. Mine does. I just have to make sure I go slowly and adjust tension and all that kind of thing. With hand embroidery, you don't quite so much have that issue, but you do have to be careful of twisting and just going slow, just like you do again with your sewing machine. And you can, of course, use Thread Heaven. I own Thread Heaven. I haven't really used it all that much yet. I haven't had the need. Um, once I really, when I first, very first started doing embroidery, I was having problems with the threads I was using kept breaking a lot. But a couple of people, more experienced embroiderers, some of my listeners, because I did talk about this in an episode way back then. Um, that was what, last January, I think, that I first started doing embroidery. Uh, but in any case, they had mentioned some tips and tricks for trying to prevent that from happening. And once I kind of got used to doing embroidery more and, and implemented some of those ticks and tips and tricks, I don't have nearly the problem with breaking thread that I used to. I did just break a needle the other day, which is a little disconcerting when you're doing hand embroidery to suddenly snap your needle. You're like, holy cow, I must have been feeling a little angry in that stitch. In any case, back to, um, I did get my uh, metallic embroidery thread, and, and like I said, it was very, very pretty. Um, I just haven't had a chance to use it yet. So for me, mass drop is fun. I know there's some people that have concern that it's going to cut into local quilt store business. There's not enough on there that's gonna cut into local quilt store business. Um, I still buy embroidery thread from vendors. I've bought most of mine from vendors at quilt shows, actually, because that's where you find the really fun, unique stuff that you weren't even where it existed. It's hard to search for funky threads online because you have to know what they're called to find them. Um, now, there are certain vendors online as well. Suspargo has a great collection of embroidery threads, some of the funky stuff, and there's a handful of other ones, too. Um, but again, you know, I really enjoy looking at vendors because I know that's where I'm going to see the stuff I didn't even know existed. 
Uh, so that's Mass Drop. That's my purchases lately. I have also bought a couple of new Craftsy classes. I just posted a review of one because I bought it and finished it almost immediately. Mobile Photography with Jack Davis. Um, so I won't talk about that here because you can read about it on my blog. I really enjoyed doing it. The one thing I will say right now, um, it's base, it's using your cell phone for photography. All sorts of tips and tricks. The one thing I will say right now in this episode is if you're listening to this podcast before you've read my blog and if you're thinking, boy, that might be something um, that might be a class I would be interested in, go check out my review immediately because it is the kind of class you are going to want to do sooner rather than later only because it's addressing technology and we know how fast technology goes out of date. The next time any of your camera apps have a huge update, everything could be in a different place. <laughs> so I would really suggest if you want to learn more about how to use your cell phone successfully for photography, go read my review. I just posted it. I don't know. I think it just went live maybe Friday afternoon, maybe Saturday morning, uh, and read my review and then go to Craftsy and buy the class. It's a great class. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've also gotten a couple of other classes, no quilting classes. These are all cooking or photo classes, and I'll talk about them in my blog. I won't take the time to do them here. Uh, I don't have much of an update on the Jacob's Ladder quilt that I'm working on. Um, I haven't touched my sewing machine. I haven't touched standard fabric <laughs> other than putting stuff together for a project I'll talk about in a minute. Um, I might get to that today because as soon as I'm done recording I'm going to then listen to this episode so I can get it posted but my husband and I are going somewhere for dinner in a couple of hours with a group of people so we'll see um, what I'm working on right now the Jacob's Ladder I've got all of the block unit pieces pieced and trimmed to size so right now I'm just arranging my blocks prior to sewing the blocks and there's A blocks and B blocks I think there's 21 of each 21 A blocks, 21 B blocks. So what I'm doing is stacking, um, well, again, the, the way I do, when I have a lot of the same units to piece together, I stack them, the blocks, uh, on top of each other. And then usually I just go straight down through the stack of two units. So like I'll take, if it's a nine patch, I'll take the first and second patch in the top row and just drill down through the whole stack and sew all those together and then take the next two and drill down. And so I'm just kind of doing a really fast chain piecing. Um, in this one, I think I'm actually gonna do it a block at a time because although it's scrappy, uh, there are some fabrics that if they end up too close to each other um, on the quilt, I'm afraid it'll look like Swiss cheese, you know, to kind of because there's some very dark fabrics that if they sit too close to each other, it's just gonna look like there's a big gaping hole right in the middle of the quilt. So I am actually, um, it's, you know, controlled scrappy. I'm actually laying out each block to, just to make sure two of those two dark fabrics don't end up sitting right next to each other. So what that means is if I were to drill down the way I normally do per unit, I could quite easily get everything messed up. Speaking from experience, I've done it before. So this time I'm just, I'm stacking them just to conserve space but then I'm going to sew one block at a time. So that's going to make it take a little bit longer um, per block, but it'll keep it more, <laughs> less likely that I'm really going to mess something up right in the middle of it. Uh, so right now I'm, I'm just in the process of stacking, which is taking a little bit of time. Um, 
So mostly what I've been doing is embroidery because the reason I get more embroidery done than quilting is the quilting I have to be up in my studio, which means away from everybody else in my family. Embroidery I can do downstairs watching TV next to my husband in the evening. Um, so short of abandoning him at all times, I've decided this is, you know, I enjoy doing embroidery. So that's going to be what I do is if I have time, after work, I'll do some sewing before he gets home, but unfortunately that's also my main study time, which is why I get very little sewing done these days. Um, I do most of my studying before he gets home. And then when he's home after dinner, when we're sitting on the couch at night, then I'm doing embroidery. So what have I gotten done with embroidery? Uh, the first is, I believe I talked in my last episode about the fact that I was almost done, I said, with um, my current embroidery project, which is the Pudgy Bird Garland, uh, Swedish style embroidery. Unfortunately, what I discovered was that I had, I don't wanna say I had done it wrong. I had done it differently than the directions in the book where I had taken the pattern um, had said, only because I never went back to check the pattern. And in the, what this is, is you have white felt that you cut into the shape of birds, and then you have green felt that you cut, I'm sorry, felted wool that you, cut in the shape of leaves. And then when you get them embroidered, you glue each one to the same shape um, in the background as a backing, and then you sew them all to a ribbon so they form a garland. Well, I got going, great guns, and I did all the embroidery on all the birds. And then when I went to put the garland together and looked at the page in the book, I realized all of my birdies were facing the same direction, and in the book, they have them facing each other in pairs. And obviously, I could do it any way I want. If I wanted a, heart, a garland with all the birdies facing in the same direction, I could have called it done and, <laughs> and moved on. But as I looked at it, I thought, no, it really does look better with two birds facing each other. Her design looks better. It's more interesting. So rather than ripping out a whole bunch of embroidery and doing half the birds again facing the opposite direction, what I decided I was going to do is just do a duplicate set of birds facing the opposite direction and then mix and match everything and end up with two garlands at the end, which is actually what I thought about doing at the very beginning because I love this design. As anybody who has been listening for a while or following my blog, you know I've got a thing for pudgy birds. I really love pudgy birds. And so when I first saw this garland in the book, I immediately thought it would make a great, um, just a little gift for my mother-in-law as a Christmas decoration, because she also has a thing for birds. But I kept saying, well, maybe if I like the way it turns out, you know, I'll, I'll give her one and I will make one for myself. Um, so now I've, I've just kind of forced myself into making two at once. Uh, unfortunately, that turned into a bit of a stopper because the embroidery goes really fast. It's the cutting out the birds <laughs> that takes a while, you know, because you got to trace the design, cut the felt, all this kind of thing. So I finally got to doing that this week. And so now I'm back to working on the birdie project again. Um, I'm hoping within the next couple of nights, I'll have the birds all embroidered and be able to finally finish it off for real and call it done. Um, I am still working on my cruel embroidery a little bit. That one's just, that's kind of my between projects project, or if I'm not in the mood to do something, uh, one of my other embroidery projects, I'll just sit and do a little bit on, of that on a night. Um, it's really, I'm keeping it really simple. The main thing I'm doing is playing with all of my different cruel wool threads that I have. Most of them are solid colors, but I did get some interesting variegated ones online. 
Um, so there's some parts of this, when I get it finished, I'm like, well, I'm not really, really loving the way that that particular color ended up looking next to the other color I've got it sitting next to. But I am not taking anything out. Again, this is just a learning project. Um, I'm doing it on, the background is one of my hand dyes, and I kind of put together a design from one of those um, coloring books for adults, because I always laugh when I call it an adult coloring book, because that sounds all sorts of wrong on so many levels. Uh, but in any case, I took one of the, the coloring books for adults from CNT Publishing, and I pulled a couple of elements from different drawings in there and kind of combined them into my own design. Um, and it's not really something I intend to, you know, be a big display piece or anything. Uh, so I'm just, it's just practice for me and it's learning for me and it's being able to test out threads and learning how variegated threads work in different stitches. I have found that my favorite stitch for Cruel right now is the chain stitch. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know, if you're interested in, in embroidery but you're a total newbie and you don't know um, what the difference is between cruel embroidery and regular embroidery, there actually is really no difference. It's just a matter of cruel embroidery uses a yarn thread, whereas regular embroidery, you can still use a yarn thread, but then it might become cruel. I mean, it's there isn't really a strong definition between the two except the materials you're using. It's all the same stitches and everything. Uh, and I have found that I really love the way the chain stitch works with that yarn and the way it looks as a filler stitch when I'm doing um, design. So I'm having problems making myself use anything other than the chain stitch. Um, you know, I've done some satin stitch and some back stitch and stem stitch, and I've done some split stitch and all those kinds of things. All of those are basic cruel stitches. Uh, cruel, by the way, C-R-E-W-E-L, if you've never heard of it before. Um, but it is just a matter of, I really like the chain stitch, so I tend to keep going back to it. I am kind of, I just started a couple of nights ago a freeform project, and it, what I call a freeform project, only because I don't really know what this thing's going to be. I'm just going to start embroidering shapes and designs and flowers and everything, um, just in a very abstract mess, <laughs> and see what turns out. But mostly what I really wanted to do, after working on the Seuss Bargo project and my Cruel project, I realized, well, I knew this from the beginning with Seuss Bargo, I started learning embroidery in about the most difficult way possible. <laughs> I, I have a real penchant for making things hard on myself. Um, but, and I'll talk more about the Seuss Bargo project in a minute, but, you know, I was using all sorts of different threads and all sorts of different needles. So not only was I learning the basics of embroidery stitches, but I was doing it on difficult material with sometimes very difficult threads. And tr I was trying to learn everything all at once, rather than starting with the basics and moving forward. So I decided to gift myself the pleasure of using more standard threads on a standard linen background, which is much easier to stitch through than cotton or anything else. The, the thread just, or the needle goes right through the linen. I love it. Um, and I have a lot of, well, the threads I really wanted to use they're a pearl cotton, but they're 12 weight, which is very delicate, very thin. Um, and the particular collection I have are just a joy to work with. They're hand dyed, they're a free trade collection. Can't remember the name of the vendor. I bought them at one of the quilt shows. Um, it's just, a, they're just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I really wanted to get a feel for how they would work to stitch. And they're, it's like butter, oh my word. They are so easy to stitch with. 
The problem I'm having is because they are so thin, I'm having to kind of learn what stitches and what designs work best for them to make them actually show up. Because I'm used to using these big, heavy, thick <laughs> threads. And so I went in and when I first started doing, I was just embroidering a simple Lazy Daisy flower stitch and realized you almost couldn't even see it because this thread was so thin. So I had to really figure out, okay, design-wise, <laughs> what does it mean to work with this very delicate embroidery thread? Um, but I'm really enjoying doing that. And again, I'm just going to play around with different shapes and stuff to use these threads. I'm probably, I think what I might do on this project is stick with all my pearl cottons. I have a, a lot of pearl cottons in, um, I think the biggest I have is five. I think I've got five, eight, and 12. Uh, they do come in three, I believe. I've seen them, but I don't think I actually own any three. And I think three would overpower the 12 anyway. But I could see myself using 5, 8, and 12 all in one. I Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Right now I'm just having fun with the 12. Um, so that's just sort of, again, that's going to be kind of a between project when I'm working on other things. Uh, the other, the more fun thing that just sort of came into my life is a couple of my quilty friends and I um, were all talking, well, I was bringing in some of this embroidery I've been doing. And one of the women used to do a lot of cruel embroidery back in the 70s. And when she was seeing what I was doing, she's like, wow, you know, that's really making me miss it. I'd like to get back into it. And she's done other, she still does embroidery. So there, there's three or four of us, well, three of us at this point, who have all decided that we're just going to start getting together, you know, whenever we are able to get our calendars together and just do some stitching and, and share ideas and stuff. She's the one I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, we were emailing back and forth now because we're sharing, you know, hey, you should check out this blog and hey, I just found this designer and everything. So we're kind of been doing a lot of emailing back and forth. And I had mentioned something about, um, I think I was talking about the metallic threads I'd bought on Mastrop. And she said she's only ever used DMC embroidery floss. And I said, oh, you should never have said that to me. <laughs> so we met this past Saturday. And I just brought my whole collection of what I refer to as weird stuff or oddball threads and all the unusual stuff. Um, I left all my DMC at home. Everything else came with me. And some books I've got and some various tools and everything that I've picked up. And she, she was, it was like her eyes were being opened to a whole new world. Um, so she was having so much fun looking at all the different kinds of threads that were out there. Um, so I think... I have possibly influenced her. As you all know, I'm a bit of an enabler, so hopefully my goal is to get her using something other than DMC floss once in a while. DMC floss is great. I don't have a problem with it. I've actually used it very little, but <laughs> that doesn't mean I have anything against it. I just really enjoy using the weird stuff. Um, in any case, what we decided to do, the three of us, is that we're going to start, because we've all, all of us have always wanted to do a crazy quilt, and none of us ever has. So we've decided we're just going to start, every time we get together, we're going to bring another crazy quilt block, and then we'll sit there and stitch on our own blocks while we're there. We're not doing a swap or anything. We're just doing our own. Um, and we're also kind of putting this together. Well, at least I'm going to be putting it together. One of the embroidery blogs that I follow is called Pintangle, P-I-N-T-A-N-G-L-E. And on Pintangle, she does Take a Stitch Tuesday. Every week she posts a different stitch that you can either try for the first time if you're learning or if it's a familiar stitch, she encourages you to figure out how to use it in new ways, combining it with other stitches or whatever. And I kept thinking, boy, that would be fun to do, and I just haven't done it. 
I haven't been in a position to do it really. So I may use that as my inspiration for my crazy quilt embellishing. You know, see what stitches she's promoting every week and see if I can use that stitch. Um, I came home immediately pawed through my fabric because the first thing that came to mind when we were talking about doing this is I, I well, I mistakenly said at first, well, I don't really have anything other than cotton. Um, and then I got home and realized, actually, I've got three bins, small, like shoebox size plastic bins that I call my art fabrics. Um, and they're all, you know, there's a lot of silks and nettings and um, not too much in the way of satin, no velvet. I don't have any velvet, but a lot of non-cotton type fabrics that have been hand dyed or, or whatever. And not mostly not mine. Um, I got a lot of them from another person, an art quilter who was destashing. And a friend of mine went to her sale and bought me a couple of bags of just random stuff. And there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Plus, um, but in any case, what I did say immediately was I have some cross-woven fabric. Um, and cross-woven is also, I believe it's pretty much the same thing as shot cotton. I think there's two, they're just two different names for the same thing. And it's where one color is on the warp and a different color is on the weft of the weave. So while the the fabric will look one color when you look at it in a certain light, if you turn it, it has kind of a sheen of a different color to it. It doesn't completely change color, um, but it's got the sheen. It's the coolest stuff in the world. And the collection I have is actually from Indonesia. I bought it, um, most of it I think I got at a vendor, again, at Houston or Paducah, I don't remember which. Um, but they're really deep, rich, saturated colors. And some of them, you've got more of that sheen than others. It kind of depends on what the, the cross weave is. Um, and then I also have, when I was in Burma, Myanmar, um, I think I told the story on an episode shortly after that. That was December 2014. Uh, there was a tailor a couple, of street, a couple of shops down from our hotel. And so I had gotten... Um, an outfit made, a traditional Kachin outfit made uh, at this tailor. And we got talking about the scraps. And I said, I would really like to have the scraps from the longi, the skirt uh, that she made me because it was a beautiful fabric. And uh, my friend who was with me, who is Kachin herself, and she did the translating and she said, well, do you want other scraps? And I said, I'm a quilter. I will take scraps. <laughs> and so um, the tailor actually went through her bag and pulled out a whole bunch of scraps. Mostly we were looking for ones particularly that were traditional kitchen design. Um, they have their own embroidery patterns. And so she pulled out a whole bunch of scraps. And so the other, Saturday when I was going through to find scraps that would kind of have the same feel as my shot cottons, a lot of those fabrics made it into. So I've got a whole bin now of scraps that I want to use in my crazy quilt blocks. Um, and what that all reminded me is that I have Allie Aller's Crazy Quilt Craftsy class. I've owned it for a long time. I had already watched at least most of the lessons um, at one point, gosh, several months ago, but I'd never actually gotten around to making a crazy quilt. So now I'm back to, um, I sat this morning over breakfast and I started watching the, the classes again. So I'll be using her techniques uh, to learn how to do she goes through, I think, four different ways to put together a crazy quilt block. And then I, I know there's a ton of other ways online and everything, but I wanted to start out with hers. And I do also own her book. The same information, I think, is in both. Um, so I figured this was a good way to kind of, you know, kill two birds with one stone is to 
finish off the crazy quilt class, potentially also use the Pintangle Take a T Stitch Tuesday and get a crazy quilt made. Now it's going to take us a long time because we're only doing it a block at a time. <laughs> um, but I will post pictures, you know, of each block as they go. But I'm, I'm really excited about that. The other thing I'm excited about being able to include in it, although I have to dig through my basement to find this, um, I'm nearly positive that I ended up with a scrapbook, um, well, I would a sample book, I guess you should call it, after my mom passed away. Uh, and I remember my mom's younger sister, who is the surviving sister, telling me the, the genesis of this sample book. It's all handmade lace. And apparently what the backstory is, is that when my mom and her sisters were little, when they were growing up, a woman that lived next door to them, um, as they described her, an old German lady, <laughs> would sit on her front porch and make handmade lace and would give their mother um, a lot of like doilies and you know table covers and all that kind of stuff and most of the the doilies and table covers and stuff nobody knows where those ended up at this point but we still had the sample book apparently the woman when she passed away or at some point just gave her um, my mom's mother my grandmother uh, one of these sample books and so I still have that sample book in the basement and it's just beautiful beautiful lace and it's just it's it is a sample book so it's not like a whole doily it's just a little swatch of a particular stitch and I think doing the crazy quilt I should be able to use a lot of that in there so um, it's as you can tell I'm really excited about doing this project even though I really have no right to be taking on any projects right now this one does feel kind of manageable um, at least if I ignore all the other UFOs <laughs> sitting crying whining at me whenever I walk by them um, I'm just ignoring them so the Seuss Bargo butterfly project I can actually pretty much call that finished now I just have to put backing and then figure out how I'm finishing off the edges I have finished the embroidery on the butterflies um, what happened was that was not on if you've been reading my blog and seeing my progress and goals the butterfly project wasn't even on there this at all the last couple of weeks um, but as I was sitting down and working on other embroidery projects, I kept looking at it because it was sitting, I have all my embroidery stuff is sitting in one part of the family room and it was laying on top of that. And I, I you know, it just, it was this constant weight of guilt <laughs> that I hadn't finished it while I was w working on it. Now here I just talked about totally ignoring all the quilty UFOs, but that Seuss Bargo butterfly thing was really just working my last nerve that it wasn't finished. So I finally just one night decided this is stupid. I need to just finish it. And as it turned out, I didn't have that much left to do on it um, as I was thinking I did. So I got it done in a couple of nights. My problem is it's not so much that I lost interest in working on it. It was more that it, to me, it's just kind of a hot mess. Um, now I did take it to my friends when we, my stitchy friends, and they both loved it, but you know, you're, you're your own worst critic and there's a lot wrong. <laughs> with this project there is a lot wrong with it and but what I can say is that one it's really what got me started on embroidery I had taken pot shots on embroidery before done a little bit here and there um, but that was the project that really made me fall in love with it and I think it was partly because it was all these funky threads I realized there's this whole world of fun out there that I had never never even known existed um, but it was because of all those funky threads 
that it was taking me a long time because every thread has its own personality and has its own needs and you have to cater to those needs lest tragedy befall you. Um, <laughs> but in any case, it, it just made the, I made that project so difficult on myself. And I also made it difficult on myself because I completely ignored Sue Spargo's advice and did the fusible and the applique in a way that she would never recommend you doing it. And now I know why. <laughs> just it made it really hard for myself to work with um now that being said this is nothing about the sue spargo design at all i love her style i love her stuff it's just if i do another sue spargo design or something inspired by her um her aesthetic which i'm very likely to do because i really love it um i will follow her directions <laughs> I'll do it the way she says we should all do it instead of hauling off and doing it my own way because I was trying to cut corners and do things fast. Um, it just, no, it doesn't work. Mostly having to do with fusible and then doing machine applique rather than needle turn the way she does it. Um, yes, machine applique is a lot faster, but it creates this really hard edge, really hard edge when you're trying to embroider. Uh, so when you're well when you're doing batiks to felted wool and you've got like four layers of stuff you're doing. anyway whole long, long story made it really hard for me to embroider so some of my embroidery stitches are not placed where i would like them to be because i needed to avoid stitching and in other places some of the fabric actually pulled away from the applique stitches because it kind of shredded i mean it's just if you look at this project close up it's a hot mess if you look at it from a galloping horse, it might be okay. So I will post a picture of it eventually. I just won't, you know, post a lot of detail. Uh, but as a project, it gave me a tremendous opportunity to learn. Um, you know, now I really know what it means to use different threads and different needles. I, I've got it down. <laughs> so that's good. You know, had I started with basic embroidery, I probably wouldn't even be to that point yet. So that that's the benefit of jumping in over your head. <laughs> when you start there may be a lot of blue words in the air while you're going but eventually if you persevere you um now when i do normal embroidery <laughs> boy it's like a walk in the park <laughs> so anyway i did get the sue spargo butterfly project done like i said i'm just i've got to attach some sort of backing on the back just to hide mostly to hide all the threads but also to kind of secure it so that things aren't catching, you know, not that, I don't know if this is even going to be on the wall all that much, but I did, I just want it finished off. Um, and then figure out what I'm doing for the edges, which I think I might know, but I have to see if I've got enough of the lace. Uh, so hopefully sometime in the next week or so, you will see a picture of this finished Sue Spargo butterfly project. So I'm going to pause for a minute and go dig up my email and do some listener feedback. Okay, thank you to Jackie for her comment on my blog post, An Easy Win. She says, yay for a finish and sewing time. Me time is important. And as you know from my last episode, that's exactly what I've discovered is I just start feeling sad when I don't get my hands on fabric in some time, some way. Uh, Carol also commented on the same blog post and said, good use of limited time. Fondling fabric is good for the soul. I'm definitely in a happier place now because I have been. Uh, Mary Lou, on the same blog post, any fabric project is decompressing time well spent. Um, and she's glad that I've been able to squeeze in some family memories in my chaos of the last few months as well. Uh, Noni posted a comment on episode 188 in which things settled down, which I posted back in the end of October. 
and she talks about a story and I will share this with you. She said, um, on the quilt show forum, when I first started to quilt, there was a wise older woman, Tildy, who talked about how she works on her projects. Um, and she said she ran into her on a DJ, Dear Jane forum and how everybody kept going on their projects. And she said, um, Tildy lived on a farm with no hired help. So she and her husband did all the work. She talked about her life on the farm and, she, and one thing she said stuck with me. She started every day by sewing one needle full of thread, often while saying her morning prayers and a needle full being about 18 inches of thread. She said that habit established as a younger woman allowed her to progress with what she called her masterpiece. It gave her peace and strength to get through what could be a grueling day of work. She said at night she was often too tired or had other things to do, but starting every day sewing her one needle full of thread put, in, put her in a good mood and it also resulted in progress. And so Noni says she uh, puts into practice what Tildy used to say when she's working on projects she doesn't like. So for example, she's sewing binding on a quilt she's not fond of. And so she makes sure she um, does, she translates it with a sewing machine, one bobbin full of thread when she's stuck on a free motion quilting project or doing one needle full of thread if she's sewing binding on that kind of thing. Uh, so thank you, uh, Noni and Tildy. That's excellent advice to even just sit down for a couple of minutes and do it. Um, Lori, uh, uh, my friend Lori from Quilty Guild also uh, posted on an easy win and really enjoyed my duffel bag and in fact she saw it in person this weekend. Um, she still liked it. Thank you to Kati for her comment also on an easy win who um, said now you have a bag to use on your next driveway trip and one to show off and it is it's a very functional duffel bag. I've used it a couple of times um, so that's been very helpful to have. Uh, thank you to Janet on her comment on my October Craftsy class update, who says, thanks for the heads up on Sarah Moulton's new class. Uh, she had, Janet had picked up a couple of quilting classes with the, that sale that was going on at that point, but she hadn't even checked cooking. And by the way, Janet says she is still way ahead of me by 50 or so on classes that she owns in Craftsy. Um, so if y'all think I'm nuts, shake a finger at Janet. <laughs> but in any case, um, so she says she's also playing catch up on my podcast too. So my new schedule is sadly working to her advantage. <laughs> so good. I'm glad Janet that I can be helpful to you. That's really why I'm doing it. That's why I'm holding off on podcasting as often these days. It's really for you, my listeners. Um, got a very nice email from Carolyn and I really appreciated that. And Carolyn told me a fantastic story that actually kind of got me choked up, but I don't want to share it without her permission. So Carolyn, if you are okay with me sharing the story, please let me know. Thank you to Beverly on her for her comment on my crafty class review, Zip It Up. She went back in time a little bit and she said, you're such a bad influence on me. Every time you give a thumbs up on a craftsy class, I just have to take it to great looking bags. And that zip it up class is, it's a fast one. It did not take me all that long to do. And as you know, I don't like doing bags, not very experienced at it. So if I'm saying it didn't take me that long to do, y'all would whip through it pretty quick, but the bags are very usable. I've used them all multiple times since then. Um, Carol again commented on another blog post, thank you. Thank you to Carrie who emailed me with some photos of projects she's got going on. Carrie has done that a few times and I really love it. I would like to say, Carrie, you're my favorite listener now because you send me pictures. <laughs> so 
That's not true. I don't play favorites among my listeners, but those who send me pictures, you know, a little extra space in my heart, I think. Uh, Thank you to Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corner, who commented on my progress and goals uh, for the week of 11-7, and she says she thinks I'm entitled to a mental vacation, and she said, I'm trying to post this comment to see if your blog likes me any better than it used to, and Sandy, it does. Your comment came through, so thank you. Post more. Um, And again, Beverly, who sent me another favorite listener, she sent me a picture of her award-winning quilt top. She won an award for her version of Scrappitude. And Beverly, I noticed, I just got it either this morning or late last night that you had also sent me a message on Fitbit. Um, Yes, I did get the picture. And I'm sorry, I generally try to respond when people send me pictures, and I didn't for some reason. and I know that I, I remember when I got the comment on Fit, but I was going to respond back, but I was like, boy, I thought I responded to that. Now I know it's because I actually recorded this episode once before and commented on your um, award-winning quilt top in that episode that never actually got aired. So here it is. It's a beautiful quilt top. So all of you who want to see it, go back to um, my progress and goals post and look at the comment um, with the picture in it. It's beautiful. Thank you to Jackie, also commenting on the same blog, who said she was just thinking the other day that she was kind of missing seeing my quilting projects. So um, I'm hoping in the next few weeks, when I'm only working on the paper now, like we said, kind of like I'm on vacation, uh, that I will be able to get some more done. This paper is actually due the middle of December, and then I don't, um, I start my January class in Boston, uh, kind of the middle of January, early January, I think I go like January 8th. So technically I do have about three weeks of a break there, but I'm going to have all the reading I need to get done before I show up in class on January. But I don't think, it doesn't feel like it's going to be that bad. So hopefully I'll be able to get some sewing done during that time period. Um, Maureen also commented on progress and goals, same week. And she said, it's always good to see a post from you, even if it's to report that you're behind on everything. And that really is what most of my posts are going to be these days. Thank you to Vivian, who commented on my classy (laughs) craftsy class review of mobile photography with Jack Davis. That's the the class that I bought and almost immediately finished. And she said she's long had their digital photography class on my wish list, but was waiting to get a DSLR camera. And she said, I didn't know about this one, and not only can I use it right now, but the timing was perfect to catch the half-off sales. So... Vivian, let me know and, you know, share some photos that you take with your smartphone. It is a great class. Carol also commented on the same uh, review of mobile photography, and she said, finally a class for the regular everyday cell phone camera user. She said she's anxious to try the class, and it's going on her wish list for sure. I only use a phone camera and use those photos for inspiration as well as blogging and can sure use some tips. Uh, Carol says, waterlog and the ones that turn your photos into paintings are fun to play with but do lose their appeal after a while. Um, I had to have waterlog when I saw what you were doing with it but admit that I haven't even opened it lately. It's true, I do tend to kind of go in fits and starts with it but, um, and now I've, my mobile photography review page had photos uh, that I had messed with using some other similar kinds of apps that also do various painterly effects. Um, 
but they really they really are gorgeous and when I have some time I'm gonna go back in because if you remember way back when I actually set up a cafe press site I do have a cafe press store where I've got some note cards and things um, with done with photography that I've done um, standard photography as well as using the waterlog app and now I've got some um, photos that I've been thinking I want to turn into note cards with the new apps I've been using. Um, they really are fun to play with and what really gets intense is when you get good at combining different apps. So you take one photo and you mess with it in three or four different successive apps and you really you come up with just this gorgeous stuff. I am not as good at that as yet. I, I shouldn't say as good as. I believe once back in my first year I talked about not saying I'm not good at something, rather saying I'm not practiced at it. Um, but I now follow on Instagram, I, I follow the hashtag with these various apps titles so I can see what other people are doing in them. And there's some stunning, really looks mixed media uh, work where they have done that because they always list what apps they've used in the bottom. And so they they just talk about, okay, this is a photo that went through these different apps. And it's, it's just gorgeous, just beautiful. So, you know, and that's something I can sit and do while I'm sitting in a doctor's waiting room or in an airport. <laughs> I can play around with, with making pretty photos even more cool in various apps. Uh, so that's all the comments. Um, and I really appreciate every single one of them. And I hope to get more. So thank you all of you for listening and you know how you can be in touch with me. And if you don't, I shall tell you um, if I can get to my page with my cheat sheet <laughs> for all the ways you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, and um, Flickr, all Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook and join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And you can, of course, follow the blog. Plus, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at my website at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until the next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom.